Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, homestead, garden, and designing your intentional life. Back to Thrive in the Future. In this episode, I'm going to talk about this year, it's perennials over annuals. So last episode, we talked about depression on the homestead. Crops fail already this year. It seems like it's stuff is harder. Already this year, I've had several things fail. I've had deer jump over the fence, even though I've replaced the fence. And I need to look at another section that needs new fencing. It just seems that stuff is harder this year. I'm getting older, loading wood chips, loading compost. Everything else is a little bit more creaky. So I'm Gen X. If I was one of my boomer friends, I'd be at the doctor seeking the next big thing. They never met a big pharma commercial that they didn't like. They're just primed for transhumanism. But that's not me. So what does this have to do with gardening? Not much. This is just complaining, but this is the real world. So it's mid-May. I've already planted 90 plus lines of items that I'm tracking in my thriving garden planner spreadsheet. I've already had some transplanted grafted trees fail. So cedar apple rust gets them even if, if the book says that this variety should be resistant. I guess the tree didn't read the book. I've already got poison ivy twice. So what does this have to do with perennials? Nothing but everything. So can I keep this up? I want it to be easier. So this year I started to convert some of my garden, the peripheral parts into perennials. So greens here in Kansas are hard to grow. The last frost is April 20th. Usually get frost right up to that. And then by mid-May, we're already starting to have some greens bolt. I can't grow spinach. I can't grow broccoli or cauliflower or anything like that because it'll start to bolt. If I grow cabbage, then for some reason it just doesn't form into a head. And then about the time when it's ready to form into a head, then the cabbage moths descend. I do have good luck with kale, and I grow quite a bit of kale, and then I use that and turn that into smoothies. I also grow chard, and but this year, for some reason, it's starting to bolt. So can I replace some of these with perennials? Yes. There's dock, there's sorrel, there's plantain. So I have wide leaf plantain growing wild forageable plantain on, on my land. And I've used that and taken some of that and added it to my salads. I've also planted in some of my garden beds a narrow leaf plantain that's a little bit more narrow. At first I thought it was grass when it was coming up, but it's not. And I use that and take a little bit of that and put that in my smoothies as well. Now perennials are more bitter than annual greens. And so you have to get used to them a little bit. Like Perpin says, you have to have different enzymes and you have to develop those enzymes. And dock and sorrel have a slightly lemony aftertaste. Well, what I really like is I like the bloody dock. It looks really interesting. It's got, it's got red veins. So it looks like the name says it looks like it's bloody. I also have sorrel in several other places. So what I did this year was I took a corner of my garden. I outlined it with perennials, and then I planted some annuals in the middle of it, just that section. So I put some hazelnuts around the outside because this is my year for hazelnuts. I've got hazelnuts that I got from the Kansas Conservation Board. I've not had very much luck with hazelnuts up to this point. They never get very high. The deer get over the fence or the deer eat them down. In these areas that I'm planting them, they're sequestered. They've got garden fencing around them. They're at least going to slow down the deer a little bit. So I planted hazelnuts around the outside of this garden plot, both in my main garden, in a corner of my main garden, and also I have a new 
garden plot out in the front where I turn grass into garden because I hate mowing the grass and I'd rather have food, not lawns. So I have this enclosed. So that's where I also have my tree nursery. So I planted hazelnut around the outside of this bed. I put in plantain, put in walking onions that I thinned from another area. So I took a big clump of walking onions. I thinned them out and I actually turned them into about 20 different individual areas of walking onions. So I spread them out. In between, I put in lemon balm. I transplanted some horseradish. I have some Solomon seal in there. Towards the edge, I put in some strawberries. And then I have my bloody dock and some of the sorrel. I tried to transplant my broadleaf plantain, but it's used to being on a path that's fairly sandy. And this is the thing with perennials. As you get them in your garden, especially something like amaranth and dock and sorrel, you may actually see that they do poorly later in years as your soil starts to improve because those perennials are used to being the ones that pioneer the new areas. So they're used to compacted soil. They're used to bad soil. That's why when I transplant my wide leaf plantain from places along the path or places along the driveway into the regular soil of the garden, it doesn't thrive because it's used to soil that's trying to break it up. Same thing with dandelions. Now dandelions do well on the outside, but if you put them in really good soil, they don't do all that well. And of course, I've got lamb's quarters that just pop up everywhere. Those are not much different than cabbage or kale. You can put all this stuff into a blender and use it for smoothies. One of the things you have to watch out for, oxalic acid. These have oxalates, so you don't want to use them too much raw because some of that can build up and there's different health issues with that. But for the most part, if you're going to eat them or use them in smoothies, infrequently as a bonus or an addition to your regular greens, then then you should be fine. Then in my bed in the front, I plant perennials along the outside, and then I'll plant annuals like the greens, the chards, the lettuce along the middle. And that way I've got the best of both worlds. If I create a new bed, then I'll plant milpa in the middle. Now I've talked about milpa in previous episodes. Milpa is a mix of about 30 to 40 different types of seed. It has everything from squash to cucumbers to beans to corn. And the whole thing is based on the three sisters, squash, beans, and corn. And then it throws in a bunch of flowers and other things to help with pollination. I've turned over soil using the broad fork. I've spread this out, milpa seed, and then I'll cover it with a light covering of wood chips. And then as it grows, if I plant that early in the season, then buckwheat and beans will become prominent. But if I plant it later in the season, then the squash will become more prominent. And this is a way where you can make a whole lot of produce in one small bed and also improve the soil. Because when it's done, then you'll have dry beans at the end of the season. You'll have mulch at the end of the season. You can chop and drop it. You can leave it there and it will build the soil for next year. Next year, you can come back. You can turn it over again and then either do another round of milpa or plant something else in that bed. So I use milpa in several of my beds, especially as I am growing soil or if it's a new bed or a new area that I just turned over. So that is what I'm doing this year. And the whole point is to try and beat the heat. So this week, it's already towards 90 degrees. I'm going to have some of my greens, my annuals, start to get ready to bolt. The leaves are going to get heavier. They're going to start going up and getting ready to bolt. I want to 
beat that and I want to continue to have greens throughout the summer. So this is my strategy for this year. I hope it saves me a little bit of time next year and I don't have to bring in so many additions to my garden. At least that corner pretty much will be taken care of. Just replace some of the plants that didn't make it, put in a new layer of wood chips if it's needed, and just tweak it a little bit. So that's my addition for this garden this year. Take care. Check out the Thriving Patreon. There's more content. There's outtakes. There's a bonus episode with Cyprian where he explains the banking collapse and why it can be a risk for your crypto. Yes, your crypto, even if you have it in a custodial wallet. Plus, he talks about what is a cargo cult. We have some ebooks on there. There's some recording of our local chicken workshop as we planned out how we were going to divide up the incubators and also how we were going to process extra roosters. Check that out. It's on patreon.com slash thrive in the future. Also come and join our thrive in the future telegram community. It's at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. Thank you for listening to thrive in the future podcast. Like us and follow us on your favorite podcast app. And leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. That helps drive the algorithm and pushes Thrive in the Future up in the search results. Thank you.